explore how your past experiences evolve you into your current self. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Soulful Essence. It's your girl Amber and I'm so happy that you guys are tuning in today on this lovely, lovely Sunday. And if you're not tuning in today, it's okay. Catch it when you can. But today I am starting a new series called Generations and we are going to be diving in the differences between three different generations. Today, I have two guest stars with me here today. I have my grandmother and my mother. So they're going to introduce themselves. So, hey, I'm the grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) And um, my name is Dr. Carolyn Evertes. All right. Okay. And uh, let's see. I've been living in Atlanta for years and years. It's a small introduction, so you don't have to give too much. Okay, okay. Well, Tia is one of my fantastic granddaughters. Oh, if you guys don't know who Tia is, that is my middle name. So, yes. Hi, my name is Montina Evertes. I am the mother. Okay. Lovely young lady called Sofa Essence. Um, I am a teacher. It's okay guys, there will be a lot of bloopers in this because it's all natural. This is no I'm not gonna do much editing on this podcast because I want you to get the real and raw answers of what the type of questions we'll be asking today. But I wanted to start it off by asking, um, we're going to dive into just the family dynamics of the different generations. So if you can, please tell me which generation that you are from so the um, listeners can know. For me, I am from the millennials. So which um, generation are you from, Mom? Um, I'm from the baby boomers. She's, okay, my grandmother is from the baby boomers. I'm from the baby boomers, too. You're not from the baby boomers. Yes, I am. You're the one after. You're the one after it. Is she Generation X? I think. I think it's Generation X. Somebody Google it. I think it's Generation X, but I'm definitely baby boomer. Baby boomer. Okay, Generation X. Maybe that's what. Because if you were in baby boomers, you would be in your sixties and seventies. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We'll bring this out, but I do know know I am a baby boomer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I know for our generation, millennials, family dynamics have changed over time. Um, Marriages have changed over time, gender roles and so forth. But I just want to know in your generations, how were families structured? How did the household look? Who ran the household and so forth? Okay, I guess I would start with those. Well, in my household, um, I I was raised by a mother and a father. Who's this speaking? This is the mother, um, Montina. And um, the generation back then is that pretty much all my friends, they had a mother and a father in their household. Uh, The father went to work and the mother pretty much stayed at home and and was the caretaker of the children. 
Uh, although my mother did have her own business, she had a hair salon, so she was pretty much had her own money coming into the household, but she took care of all the kids pretty much while my daddy worked. Okay, okay. What about you? It was different. Uh, we had you know, my mother and my father, but we also had my grandmother, two of my uncles, two aunts, uh, two cousins, and then of course my sisters and my brother. And at that time, when someone became elderly, they stayed in the home. The nursing home was not an option, especially amongst our population. And so it was different. We kept them in the home as long as possible, and they weren't put into a nursing home or a hospital until very near the end. So our family structure was, was that way, our dynamics. And so as a result, um, our relationships tend to be what we would consider very traditional. Mm -hmm. Would you say, um, judging for our generation, would you say that we tend to put our elders quicker in nursing homes and places because we are too busy with our own lives? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And but I think the other part of that is that you're a much more mobile generation. Um, our generations tended to stay closer to family, mm -hmm. and and as a result, we included the family, meaning grandparents or others, in our lives, and we grew up with them in our lives. I think the younger generation now, for for me and you know our family, they're all over the country. They're all over the world. Right. And stuff, so, so it's a lot harder to be the caretaker. And I think that makes a big, big difference. Okay. And back then, they could always put family first. Yeah. Even before yes. jobs. Even before jobs. Now everybody's pretty much stuck into their career. And it's, it's harder. It's harder. You know, for its family values and stuff, you don't hardly ever see that anymore. A lot of kids eat alone, they don't have. Um, family dinners like what like we used to have. We can be outside playing and my dad would call everybody to talk about well, back then they used to say supper. Supper is ready. Supper is ready. And we come home, it would be after six o'clock, but we come home, we sit down at the table and we all eat together. But nowadays, you know, you, they stop picking a uh, happy meal at McDonald's and the kids call that supper. I mean and, and it's, it's true. I see it all the time. That's true, that's true. So I'm, I'm seeing a lack of home-cooked meals and more of what can we get fast for right. dinner. Exactly. Okay, so who usually, like you said, your mom tends to take care of everybody, but for my grandmother, did, you said you have a lot more people in your house, so who usually took care of the children? Everybody. Everybody. Aunts would take care of whoever was there in the house at the time, took care of the children, and the children almost it's like they had multi-parents in the house because you could go to different people. If you couldn't have access to this one, you could go to another one. You didn't have to call them. You didn't have to get on the internet and find mm -hmm. them. They were there for you. When you came home from school, there was no such thing as a latchkey child. When they came home, there was nobody there. And so that made a big difference. So it was more of a collective unit. Uh, and I think that was really, really important. That's good. That's good. What about you, Mom? Well, pretty much my mom. You know, my dad worked every day. And at that time, my mom would do hair, even though she had a salon. But sometimes she would just do it at home during the week. And on the weekend, she would spend time at the salon because my dad would be at home taking care of us. So a good balance between both of the parents. Okay, okay. So did you guys have, like a patriarchal household where like the man kind of ran everything or it was kind of like shared responsibilities like you've been saying 
Well, my dad was the head of our household. You know, my mom, you know, she, if she um, had a bill or something that she needed to pay, she would pretty much pay for that. But if she didn't have to, my dad took care of everything in the household. Only thing he really, you know, uh, wanted her to do pretty much is watch us and um, take care of him. And I see that a lot in your generations, like the man would step up to the plate and, you know, pretty much take care of the bills. But in our generation, everything's like 50-50 equal. But, um, well, do you have the money this month? I'll have the money next month. It's like, it's more not, everything is not on the man. It's kind of split between the man and the woman now. And um, like women, a lot of people say like the men take out trash or they do this. But in our generation, the trash needs to be taken out and the woman just happens to be home, she'll take it out. It's just like different things um, that I've noticed. And even studying sociology, over time I've seen our generation become more open to the fact that you know, maybe the man doesn't have to pay all the bills. Like, we can pay some of them, too. But that's where you get the point of you get lazy men, too, where they don't want to step up to the plate and actually be a man in some areas that they should be in. But I think you're making this two different points. You're talking about splitting one way as far as who does what jobs. And essentially, we also split, but we split it in a different way. That's true. Okay, so whether it was that it was patriarchal and that, you know, the, the, the man would be would be assumed he would be the breadwinner or he would take care of the car that was broken or, or those kind of things. Um, there was more, there was a different kind of role definition. And I think that's where the splitting comes in a different way. And it served its purpose. And, you know, you've heard people say, you know, that it, biblically, I think, you know, the man was is the head on, and the woman is the neck. And, and so they, they work together. And I think ultimately that's your goal is that you want to work together. Now, how you choose to do it, that's on you, but it's that you've got to work together. And that's, I think, generations, all generations do that, but they've been doing it. Different ways. Okay, okay. Um, so, as we close out the section about family dynamics, what would you say is your, is something that you really notice different about ours versus yours when it comes to the structure of a household because I know you mentioned something about kids eating alone or um, you know not being able to get that love and support from their family anymore because they're constantly like swarmed up in work and not able to fully fulfill what the child needs at the time what would you say or like the main differences communication in the household that's the most important thing I think this generation right now lives um, to just be on the go. Pretty much they're on the go all the time. And back in the day, you know, we had time, conversations with our moms, uh, even at uh, uh, family times at the dinner table, we, we had uh, conversations. You know, we talked about our day. We talked about things we wanted to do. I said, but nowadays, you know, if you just put a kid, a happy girl in front of a kid and put him in front of a television, what, and what actually is he going to learn? Yeah. I think also there's a couple of things. One is because a lot more couples both work full time that the children are placed in daycare earlier. Um, so they're not getting the parental input like they do when they're staying home with a parent. I don't care which parent it is. Uh, traditionally, it has been the mother, but whichever parent, they're, they're missing that. 
I think part of also, and you know I'm a therapist, <laughs> but as a therapist, I see a disconnect yeah. in families. I mean, there's so many children that are having acting out problems, and what I hear from them is, well, we don't need to dinner together, as you talked about. I eat up in my room. I come downstairs and get my food and go to my room. To me, that's just unfathomable. How can you not talk to each other after not seeing each other for eight hours or ten hours, and then you go, you come grab some food, and you go, so it's like you're in a hotel. As opposed to checking in, checking in, yeah. Check it in yeah. yeah, I definitely agree because um, even when I have dinner with my friends, sometimes we literally have a rule where we just put our phones away because sometimes when you're just sitting with your friends, you want to see what's going on with their lives. You're constantly on your phone checking social media or different things, but your person that your genuine friends that you need to have validation from are sitting right in front of you but you're not even talking to them. So just something we, I think, I definitely think we have to work on is just knowing how to communicate effectively in person, not just through social media. Can I add one more thing to yes. that too? And it kind of blows my mind when I hear couples, I do see a lot of couples, is when they'll be in the same house, they'll tell me in, in the counseling, they'll say, well, when I want to talk to my wife, I email her, I text her. And I'm like, but she's just like, upstairs you know why would you just call her and say i need to talk to you for a minute but no one said they text each other and it's again back to that disconnect and you interpret a lot of things with your body language to somebody when you're texting you're not picking that up unless they do caps and even at that still you're not picking up what's really right. happening so i think that's really critical yes interesting that you said that because this morning i was happened to um be watching a, a television show and this guy came on talking about cell phones he said most people lose connection because they spend more time on the cell phone. Even if you, even if you just meet someone and you're walking down the streets, that most people are walking and texting and not paying attention to what's going on around them and to what you need to do. If, if you're going to a meeting, put your cell phone away, cut it off. But a lot of people don't do that. So. I agree. I agree. There is a distraction. I feel like it starts with the foundation of a child and determines how they grow and a lot of times like you said that communication is a missing factor in the family dynamics but um we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty of this podcast we're gonna talk about relationships and sex (laughs) and the differences in all our generations and how like Sex was once seen as taboo, and now you see it as sex sells, and now you see it as something that is always heard about or talked about on a daily. But before we get into sex, I want to define, I want each generation to define relationships. How did you guys define a relationship during your time? Hmm, that's a good question. How do we define a relationship? Uh... I think that relationships were, again, because it was more traditional, it would usually be the guy that would ask the girl out to something. Girls didn't take the initiative to say, I like you. Can we go, you know, let's go on a date on Saturday. There's no way you were going to do that. And so you would kind of talk to your girlfriends and they might talk to their friends and might talk to their brother who might talk to the guy who might oh come my God. and stuff, but you were not going to go out and do that. So so we, we had very clearly defined rules in our relationship or, or in that part of our life. So I think that nowadays, of course, it's whoever asks whoever first kind of thing. And I think that's that's a nice freedom to have. I think that's great because it's a lot less stressful when you can do it that way. So I think that that's a, a big piece. Um, the other part for, in relationships, um, I think that you, you knew who liked you 
and you know, and there was a lot more flirting. Um, the, the, the music even had more romance in it. And so, you know, you go to a, a we call it the Blue Lights in the Basement Party. And the Blue Lights in the Basement Party was there. <laughs> they had just a, a very dim blue light on down there and stuff. And you, you knew who was there and stuff. Not the blue light. But you'd find, you'd find each other. You would find each other and the guy would want to dance with you a lot that night and stuff. You know, so, so you, you kind of build into what you wanted for that relationship. So you ease into a relationship. I think people go into relationships too quickly nowadays and they end them too quickly. So that's kind of what it was like for us. It was smooth. It was smooth. Yeah, the music was great. What about you, Mom? Pretty much the same, you know, the guys, you know, we kind of knew when they liked us and um, they were asked us out. We didn't have to be worried about money because they're pretty much take they take us out and, and they we look at them like okay if you come take me out you supposed to pay for it but back in the day they did pay for it so it was a difference nowadays you know everything pretty much fifty fifty so it's a difference mm, for sure for sure I would definitely say that ooh, relationships these days are so different because literally um, I know for me I have been in that position where I've been bold and I've like spoke to a guy and like told him like hey I like you like hey you're kind of cute or something and definitely like in your how you're saying you would never do that I think like women are more bold to do that these days and it's more um accepted in society like it's not looked at as down or like you're doing too much or something like that it's looked at as you're taking a chance why not and um a lot of people we have this thing called situationships <laughs> in our generation where you hang around with someone for months and months and months and like you nothing's happening like you're not boyfriend girlfriend you're just hanging out you're going on dates um it may be sexual relations involved but like you're not the boyfriend you're not the girlfriend and i feel like in this generation there's so many situationships especially like in high school and college because that's the time you're trying to independent and you're not really ready to settle down with someone. So you get in these situationships just to figure out what you like in a guy and what you don't like. Most people call it dating, but when you're in a situationship, it's just with that person. And it's interesting because um, we have all been in one, like my friends, my um, co not my coworkers, but like my friends and like different people I've grown up around I've been in a situationship before, and it's definitely new if you're not used to it. Cause it's like, okay, I'm talking for this time. What's the next move? So I definitely think our generation we have definitely altered what a true relationship is. Like you were saying, like the guys pursuing you, the um, and you're just waiting and sitting back. And definitely a lot of people in our generation, you know, like you said, they go into things fast and get out of things fast because we're just like, okay, on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. And it's just like we never take the time to fully get to know someone because we're constantly, you know, we find one thing wrong with that person. We're like, oh, I'm done. I'm not dealing with this. Like, they're crazy. Um, they didn't go to so-and-so school, so I'm not talking to them. So, you know, like, we make very strict guidelines for relationships and this is not necessarily true for everyone but because everyone has their own definition of relationship but i definitely see it a lot in our generation so but i you know i don't want you to mistake what you're calling being bold in our generation for being meek 
because you know you'd get the guy <laughs> yes <laughs> you'd get the guy believe me but you might not have initiated it you're going to make the guy work for you right exactly. okay and and you figured if he passed i don't like to use the word test but kind of like the initiation process <laughs> you know then then, he's worthy. He, then he's worthy yeah exactly and we don't sit around and just wait right yeah we don't wait just because the guy's interested in us we don't wait for him to come to us yeah with his answer we all we move on right and if he still comes you're all fine like it was meant to be, it was yes. meant to be, and I feel like um, that's definitely true. Um, something I had to learn personally, just to like sit back and relax. Me and my mom have had these conversations. Me and you have had these conversations about me just learning to just sit back and relax because I know I can get impatient. I'm just like, oh my god, like why are you moving so slow? But um, just being patient with it, and I feel like when you, like you said, you wait, you get your answers, and you understand what's his true intentions with you. Because if you move too fast, then he may not give you his true intentions in the beginning. He may just lead you on or, you know, just have you lagging. And you probably, five months later down the line, he'll be like, oh, I thought we were just friends. You know, like you never know. So that's something that we definitely have learned. But speaking of dating, how did you guys, like, besides the guy just going after you, did you do anything with dating that's really different from us? We flirted. Flirted. You know, we flirted with the guys and we liked them. You know, we try to impress them and, and look good for them, even though they probably, you know, didn't know that we really wanted them. But, you know, we did little things. We did little things, you know, to get their attention. Yeah. And, and I really, to be perfectly honest with you, Tia, is I don't think we're really all that different. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be a little bit different than the approach, the approach, but basically, I think you know we have not changed significantly. Um, the standards may change, or the amount of time you want to do it may have changed. But I think you know we only have but so many tools available to us to re- to connect, right? And, uh, right? and we're going to use them. You know, as, as females, I mean, you all take really good your generation. You know, your hair and makeup and the lashes, eyelashes, and all that yeah, kind of stuff. They have a lot more weave. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more weave. We had more natural stuff, or we had our hair pattern. Yeah. Y'all have a lot of hair. Yeah. And, and one other thing, too, I just want to throw in. During the 60s, um, there was a whole sexual revolution that went on. Hmm. And there was also... Not necessary for us, but there was a lot more openness in the use of um, drugs and and things like that, um, especially outside your black community too. I want to say that, but but beyond that, there was a new attitude, of, uh, an openness about sex, uh, and and so you saw a freedom come about, especially for women, and, and women were coming into their own as far as saying, you know, we're not wearing bras, they used to burn their bras uh, <laughs> and say, you know, we're not going to be restricted or confined by yeah. that. The, the rules began to change significantly in how women wanted to be perceived and what they insisted upon in relationships. And so that was a very, very much a transitional period. Uh, so that's something else to think about as we look at where you are today and how you got to that place. And I definitely agree because with that starting, it led to a lot of our generation being more open to the idea of sex, the idea of um, like different things. And okay, we are back. <laughs> so at the time you were talking about um, dating and different, um, like how you were, were really all not that different. 
because of the sexual revolution. And I definitely agree because this generation is definitely more open with the idea of sex and they don't look at it as taboo anymore. It's, it's something that you see frequent. It's something that you see presented to you more often. And just everyone's a little more free-spirited. Like you saying with the hair, with the makeup, with the lashes. We're just different in those ways. But I was going to like dive into that a little later when I, um, we talk about the idea of the how generations have diversified over the years. But um, I have a really good question for you guys. So I know for our generation, it's something that we are often confused about. So how do you know when someone is the right one for you? That's an interesting question. I get that a lot from people. Uh, I think there's so many dynamics that come into play when we're looking at whether or not this person is the right one. And the first dynamic I think that comes into play is when we bring preconceived notions about what someone should be or a checklist of what's, what someone should have. And we go down that checklist almost mechanically, and if they fit eight, eight out of 10 or six out of 10, whatever, then we say, okay, they're the right one for us. <laughs> I think part of the problem is, is that you don't always have the right things on the checklist. Right. <laughs> like this person should be sane. <laughs> yeah. exactly. and, and, and so, so I, I think one of the first things we have, yes, we have to have some level, you know, that we say, okay, we want them to measure up to this, but at the same time, we have to have some flexibility. And I think that your generation is a lot more rigid than uh, your generation, Montina, actually, and, and your generation, Tia. I think um, because of how the roles are redefined. And I think that that creates a bit of a problem because the expectations are set that then become assumptions and then fall apart because they don't happen. Right. Okay. And and so, so pe people get really frustrated and so they toss that person away. I think that there's got a lot be a lot more when looking for a relationship with somebody else. There's got to be a lot more give and take to start with. Um, I think you need to relax and not set the expectation that I'm meeting this person and therefore they're going to become my boyfriend or they're going to become my husband or my wife. And when they don't do that, then we just kick them aside. I, I think we have to we use each relationship to grow from. And if we're willing to do that, we will come to the right person because we will have grown enough over those five or 10 or whatever relationships we have until we hit that person that we say, you know, I really like this person because they make me feel good. I make them feel good. I really like this person because we seem to be on the same path. I really like this person because they got my back when I need someone to have my back or I get their back and I don't feel as if they're taking something from yeah. me. So we, we have to ask ourselves the right questions. I think when we're looking at, whether or not this is the right person for us. That's words from Dr. Carolyn Everton. <laughs> right. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm no doctor, but my doctor is. You're a doctor I, of life. Right. right. I'm a doctor of life without the wisdom. That's right. And um, the things that I've learned is uh, yes, I was married and I had a great relationship, but obviously it wasn't the relationship that was God designed for me. And now that I'm in more to uh, uh, a godly way, I'm looking for a spiritual person, something spiritual. Because once, once God, whatever he has for you, it will definitely be, be yours. Nobody else can get it. So I said, it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of sacrifices, but I'm willing to wait. 
And I definitely agree with that. I feel like sometimes um, that's the, all a part of the dating phase. You're dating to see what you like and what you don't like. And I know for me, growing up, um, once I started dating, dating, like for real in college, it really taught me a lot about each of like the different guys and what I like in a guy and what I don't like. And I try not to put myself on a checklist, but um, I do have things that I like, I desire, but I wouldn't say I put myself on a checklist because all of them are different. All of the guys I've dated in the past, they're all different in each and every way, but they all teach me something about myself or, and, um, and it's, I'm happy that I'll learn it. I don't never take it as like a bad experience. Like, Oh, this was horrible. I never wanted to do this again. I never want to talk to this person, but you know, it's going to hurt at first. It's going to sting, but they overall have taught me something that I needed to know to grow. And like you were saying, when you find the one you would know, because it would just feel right. Um, I guess I'm, I haven't found one yet. I'm only 21, so <laughs> what I'm saying, like, you'll just know because you'll get a good feeling. And also, you have to be able to be connected, like you're saying, on a deeper level. Because a lot of people don't realize that um, if your partner is spiritual and you're you're um, you're not, that can sometimes be can cause tension because spirit spirituality is a very deep rooted thing, and it's like the soul of a person, like here on soul quest. I'm just way, but anyway. But the point of having a soul connection with someone is so you can get that deeper and like raw, authentic feeling of truly loving someone. And sometimes when it's not there, it's not there. So definitely, I would definitely agree with everything that you guys have said. So you said something about the sexual revolution earlier, but my question for you is, what is the biggest thing you have noticed about the idea of sex? How, like, how has it ex expanded over the years? How did you guys talk about sex when you were growing up? I just told my mom. <laughs> what? <laughs> mom, you have to understand, my mother was the type of mother. She was very open with us. So she and she stated all this time when especially because I'm the youngest, so I had heard from my other siblings about you know sex and stuff like that. So basically, you know, she used to tell the girls, "You go out there and get a baby, you're gonna take care of it." You know, so that stuck in my mind for a long time. As hearing that for how many years? Several years. So, but she was very open with us, and she just told us, you know, how you can get, you know, get yourself pregnant and what to stay away from and she always said if you decide you really want to do this you need to come to me and she did as you know she did state that but that's why i was very open when when i had to you know sit down and talk to my own kids which is you and brandon you know i used to tell y'all y'all need to be open tell me so we can you know get the proper uh help that you need or whatever you need to uh survive through um whatever you know yeah. and that's good because a lot of times um, in our generation, we may not feel comfortable talking to our parents or we may not have that relationship where we can talk to our parents about that because they either like shame you for having sex or it's just like they're just not open to the idea of growing up. So I'm glad that I have a support system like this. But like, what about you? It was very different for me. Of course, again, I came from a different generation. It's not that my mother avoided talking about sex, but if the topic came up, she would handle it by going and getting a book <laughs> and, or, or something like that. You know, I mean, so, so it was a little, it was more reserved. Mm -hmm. It wasn't discarded, but it was more reserved uh, in outwards dealt with. Uh, and then of course your friends talked about it and stuff like yeah. that too. 
And so, so that was very different. So, so if you weren't condemned, it wasn't like, you know, you're a bad person, so that kind of thing. But, but it definitely was something that, you know, you just kind of keep your business to yourself yeah. um, type, type situation uh, and stuff. So that was I definitely agree. Okay. Okay. So before we get into part two, we're going to take a small break, but I hope you guys have been enjoying Generation so far. We have talked about relationships, sex, family dynamics, structures, social norms, and so much more, but this is just the beginning. So sit back, relax, and get ready for part two after the break. Hello, my soulful supporters. It's your girl, Amber. Enjoyed the podcast? I hope you did, guys. But don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so I can get those rates up, guys. You know, support a sister. But for now, please don't forget to check out my social media handles so you can know what's going on with Soulful Essence, the platform, when I am not podcasting. So my Instagram is soulfulessence underscore, and my Twitter is underscore soulfulessence. But if you guys ever want to collaborate or create some magic together, we can and you can reach me at soulful essence the podcast at gmail.com and again soulful essence the podcast at gmail.com but for now stay soulful guys